Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Find us at Talkcast Podcast. Hi! Here we are. There we are. How Hello, are you? Well, Vanessa, I'm well. How are you guys? Good. Nice to meet you. Oh, we must can only assume you are Todd. I unless am Todd, full, yeah. Unless your full first name is Toddcast. Todd, wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, maybe I'm going to name my, my third kid the Toddcast. That's a weird name for a kid, though. I don't like that at all. It's a pretty weird name, yeah. Uh, well, let's get right to it. I'm, I've been listening to the Against All Odds uh, album. You guys have got to be happy with how that turned out, hey? We are happy. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. I'm happier now that you said it like that, though, as though it was like impossible not to be happy about it. I feel even better about it. Like straight up, like there's a, there's for me, and I mean, I, I don't know if you know my background. I did 20 years of, of radio. I did. Uh, 12 years uh, afternoon show at Fox here in Vancouver. Oh, cool. And, and when I, and when I hear an album like that, uh, like there's, there's at least four straight up, no brainer radio songs. <laughs> Todd, Todd cast, get yeah. back in the booth then. Get back <laughs> to well, that's the problem is the podcast is going so well that I uh, have, I'm not getting back into radio because of that. Wow, that's well, good. That's a good thing then. Yeah, you, I, you know, a c- couple of years into to doing the podcast, I got asked to to be one of the instructors at the radio course here at BCIT as well. So I'm cool. kind of, I guess, still, you know, in the industry. But yeah, like, uh, you know, for me, it's like uh, One Pill is a great song. Friends Like You, uh, Better Off, I think is the other one. Yeah. And, uh, and Belong. Like one pill, ah. th- that's a like straight up. That is a no brainer. If if Canadian radio had knew anything about anything, <laughs> that would be all over across well, the nation. Here it is. I mean, do you know, we released that song in January and did our own radio tracking, and I guess it turns out that Canadian radio does not know anything <laughs> about anything. Well, I it's mean, hard though, right? Like how talk about how hard that is too. Like to. To get you want me to talk, yes, play I on talk radio, it. it's super hard, isn't it? It's literally insane. It is the most insane thing. But also, I think it's really interesting because most people have no idea. Like, people are like, what are you talking about? Like, why would it be hard? And I'm like, oh, but I feel like you should. I want to hear from your perspective why it's hard. Because, I mean, you were in it, but it is so crazy. But like, well, I know I why mean, it's hard. Tell us why. Tell us why uh, from your perspective. There, there's multiple reasons. Like the first reason is that unfortunately the, you know, the big companies like Chorus and yeah. Bell and, 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 you know, all those companies, they all have like, you know, shareholders and they need to like make sure yeah. that they're getting the money to their shareholders and blah, blah, blah. And therefore they have like, you know, from the high up, they have from, you know, vice president, the presidents, they're all doing like, radio tests and like if you're not on the top 20 they won't even give you a sniff in the music meetings coupled with the fact if you're not cross canada touring so you're not going Mm -hmm. to like red deer and winnipeg and all these other places 
they think like, well, why would we add you if you're not going to be here to support this single? Like, why, why would we add you? So you're really so, a tough uphill battle. Like I, I, I applaud yeah. you for, <laughs> for, for doing what you're doing. And it blows my mind that bands continue to, to do it. Well, it's, it's so crazy because I, I even like I've been doing our tracking for like six years. And even when I started six years ago and we had worse music, like our production was not that good. The songs were like, OK, I got yeah. a much higher response. Right. And it's so sad to see now mm -hmm. because you literally hear music directors saying, I, I it's a no brainer for me. I'd play it. But I'm literally not allowed to even select the music here. It comes from head office or like we need to see you on five charts. And those charts are determined only by chorus entertainment. And there's one person who, like it's so crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, because you think of like a song like Belong, like here's like a, it, it chugs along, you know, fitting in, <laughs> feeling out of place. And here's something that like, you know, the majority of people that would hear that song would probably be able to relate to it and yeah. get to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a it, it truly from being, you know, I, I've done radio and podcasting now for almost three decades. And it blows my mind that we're at that point, especially, yeah. you know, uh, it, it seems like it's almost getting worse. It's it's really, oh yeah, oh my gosh, for sure. It's, I think it's like, but like, I feel like it's like one of those things. Like, it's like, it's like climate change. Like, it's only gonna get worse. <laughs> like, it's, I'm sorry. Like, unless there's drastic changes that no one's willing to make, like, there's no way it's getting yeah. better until the planet is obliterated and we move to Mars, and like radio is obliterated <laughs> and we only stream. Same thing. Same right. thing. Extraterrestrial radio. That's what it's. That's. Oh. What it's <laughs> oh so does that put like? Knowing that, no, you guys seem to. It, it feels to me like you guys get the industry. You understand it. Does there, does that put extra pressure then on like, you know, we need to tour. Then we need to get out there. We need to get to radio stations. Oh, we need boy. to meet these people. Like every everything to do with every aspect of all sides of our band puts pressure on every other side of every other aspect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, does that answer your question? You know what else is getting worse, actually? Wait, I don't want well, this to be a I mean, negative podcast, though. Yeah. No, it's We're not. It's not at all. Like, I, yeah. you know, the, we need the, the, the hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay. The main <laughs> takeaway is your music is awesome. Thank you. So, so you're at that. You're, you no, we. She meant. She meant we didn't want to be negative. We <laughs> don't want to be negative. Not you. But I it, just don't want to be like the cynical person being like, yeah. "Oh, the music industry, kids these days." Like, no. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it is true. No. So <laughs> we we primarily what we love most doing is touring. So we toured a ton this summer. Um, but there's like so many factors around that too because it is it is kind of tough like the, the the whole operation is the two of us so we we do want down the road to have a, a booking agent and a manager and other people to help us with a lot of this stuff so it is a lot for just two people to do and uh and so vanessa is our booking agent in addition to our our uh radio tracker and so like she was wow. able to put together an awesome touring schedule for us over the summer like we got all these awesome festivals um and so we do have a bunch of shows booked in the fall for after the album comes out, but there's just a lot of realities. I mean, made worse, even more so coming out of COVID just costs and, and schedules and logistics, like touring out. We, we last did tour across the country in 2019 and we were able to like rent a van and afford the gas. And that's very different to do right now. So it's, it then becomes kind of chicken and egg situation because we a hundred percent would go out to Red Deer and Winnipeg and i would literally but, go anywhere yeah but like we kind of <laughs> yeah. need to build 
but we need to build more of a pre presence in some of those places so we could use some radio support. And then if they played, if they added our song to rotation and we got a bunch of fans out, then we, it would make sense for us to invest in going all the way out there. But it's, it's hard to get. And I, I, yeah, like we understand the realities. Like it, Maybe we need an angel investor. That would be helpful. Does anyone who listens to your show, are you an angel <laughs> Angel and should we go on Dragon Den or something? I mean, we don't have time for that. Right, not, okay. not a bad idea. <laughs> um, did did you did you have to fight like for creativity over the over the pandemic? Like, I know that you you released you know you're about to release mm -hmm. the, the album, but like, did you have to fight to get it? In what sense? Like fight ourselves? Yeah. Well, I guess just like you know, I've I've talked to a lot of musicians that have said like straight up, I just didn't. Just didn't have it in me. I didn't have creativity. I didn't feel like writing songs. Like, mm -hmm. was it different for you guys or was it the same would, or? Like, okay, I the way I am and I think we are is we're very, because we do everything in the band, we're very compartmentalized. So like we were straight up, like we are booking X time off to write this thing. And when we do it, we can get into the zone. And I actually like, kind of found it easier in a way because I didn't have to do all this stuff. Like there was no admit, there was no radio tracking. There was no show booking. Like right. I could actually for once just focus on the art, which is like my dream. So I don't, but it's so. up, it's up and down with in and out of that context. So I think like through the year, let's say there could be times where either of us or both of us are feeling creative or totally absent of ideas. And then there might be some times where you just, like things open up and you have an inspiration. Um, but then, yeah, in those times where we'll set aside, like we're going to go out of town for a week yeah. and we're just going to write and write as much as we can. Even within that, there's definitely stretches of writer's block sure. mm -hmm. and like, like wait for it on this album is an example where, where I remember we were like during the day we had agreed, okay, I'm going to work on these other demos. You're going to try to write something. And then, for a lot of that day you were really frustrated and you felt like total writer's block and you were like, how am I ever going to write a song again in my life? I'm horrible at this. And then, an and then you, yeah, right. and then an hour later you had some inspiration and then you followed. And then an hour later you had a full song sure. that came out of nowhere. So I'm just saying we weren't like, Oh my God, the pandemic has drained us of all creativity. I don't think that, I don't think so no, but we are very business minded with it. We were like, we have this time. We're going to do this with it. Like, but we also have the benefit of being a, a songwriting partnership like a team yes, yeah, i think sure. i think if if it if like i'll speaking for myself if i was just in a by in a band by myself sure. um through the pandemic or through the rest of my life uh, i i would probably suffer that a lot more like i think it would be harder to find but we have the benefit of being able to like it lift each other up when when we're feeling down or, or unmotivated or something but like the only, yeah, I think the only dark place in the pandemic for me was like nearing the end where our only source of validation came from the internet instead of like being able to perform our songs live or even release. We didn't even want to release any of the songs. We had to control behind them and we were like, you right. forget why you're in a band because you're like, am I in a band to make TikToks or like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. And you're in studio with a couple of the guys from Our Lady Peace. Is that right? Did I read that right, Jason? And yep. You did. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. They recorded drums and bass on the whole album. That's amazing. So, so what do you take away from working with guys like that? Like, like from that's th that session, what will you take away and use in the future? 
Um, I think I'll answer just because I was there because Vanessa was was not present for the session, but just being there, um, I've always through through whoever we've worked with in the past, like producers, I've always been been trying to take in as much as I can and and learn as much about the production process. But uh, but I think I think I and then also the two of us like very common among creative people is imposter syndrome and so it's easy to even if you have the skills or just just because maybe you're not as experienced as someone like that doesn't mean that you don't belong in the in the studio but it's often easy to feel like that's the case maybe and so it was pretty cool to watch the two of them because they've been playing together for so many years and they're such a, an incredible unit together Crushing but i found it players, quite yeah, yeah sure. unbelievable yeah. and and i found it cool to watch like we would write the songs and then uh, and then fill out demos with rough bass and drums and then send it to them and then they would write parts to replace them. So being in the studio, watching them work, like watching what they would come in with and watching them execute those ideas that they were planning was really fascinating. But it was also cool watching how the two of them operated kind of differently. Like Jason is very much like, I, I've, I know exactly what I'm going to do and he's just on he's he's like a robot but in a, a, a good way like the human version where he's just like i know exactly what i'm gonna do and i'm just gonna do it perfectly because i'm not that good uh and then if you want me to try something different for sure i will but i don't have to uh and then duncan comes in planning to do something but he's also very much like about feeling things out and very improvisational and he's also not afraid to take a chance or to make a mistake and so it was really interesting seeing, I, I, I learned a lot just watching both of them, like watching those two different approaches and seeing how there's not just one way to be a, a, a professional musician. Yeah, everyone like, can yeah. go at it their own way and everyone can bring something different. And so it was, but yeah, it was just such an honor. It was an honor to like watch them work. And it's such an honor for them <clears throat> to have laid the foundation for this album. Yeah, that's incredible. What, what a cool experience, right? Yeah. yeah, I read that. I was like, man, that's awesome. Uh, I'm yeah. curious, like, so what's what was the music in each of your houses as kids growing up? Like, and how influential was that for you to be on the path you're on right now? Okay, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. And guys, like, I <laughs> don't think there was music. Like, I don't think, no, I'm like, honestly, like, I do not have a single childhood memory where there was like, music playing. Like, what, like, I was Like, your parents just weren't into music. I don't think so. Wow. Mm. Were yours? My parents, uh, they, yeah, but they're very old school. Like they would be listening to like the golden oldies or like Elvis or, or like my mom, obviously big Celine Dion fan. Oh, and then, boy. and then a lot of like show tunes, like they're big into musicals. Oh, wow. So like all the Andrew Lloyd, <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. That makes so much sense. I guess so. Oh my God. He often writes songs and I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> if it was in a musical. Like we're not writing that. I guess so. David. That's a good point. Yeah. So then, and so I wasn't really into music as a, as a kid. My, so my big sister was really into U2. And mm. so I think that inspired me to get into U2. So they were probably my first big like love of a band. Um, but okay. yeah, I didn't really, I think neither of us really got into music until later in life. Like most, yeah. like I think the average story of like how a band started or something is like, like young kids in high school, buy some crappy guitars and whatever but but yeah like i think we both came into actually the concept of making music 
much well, later in life? I mean, I actually, no, I'm not going to tell the story, but I <laughs> loved music. Like I- You're big into pop. Like you were well, much when more- When I was like a kid, I had like membership cards to radio stations, like 1050 Chum. I still remember all oldies all the time. Like I listened, <laughs> I would call in and request songs. Like, like- For the oldies? <laughs> like I used to- I won like every radio contest. Like I went to free movies every week because like I was really into radio, which fuck the irony. Oh my God. I'm now getting really upset. I supported radio like my entire life. Like, this is what I'm, I'm actually like, wow. You know what? In one of those boxes over there, my memory boxes, I bet yeah. you I have like AM640 card. Okay. Here's, a lot's going to go down after. Wow. This. Wow. Wow. That right now. Anyways. Anyways, what was that? Did that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your first concerts? NSYNC. I was front row. I got a piece of Joey's towel. (laughs) I like. I was like in high school. I was like a pop queen, like Britney, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, like Spice Girls. That was like the whole vibe. Mm -hmm. I think the first real concert that I went to was Cake. What? Cake. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah. That's so random, isn't it? Uh, they were great. I mean, I really like that. I really liked Kate. They were, well, yeah. What happened? I that? think actually the first, I think, like, I think the real answer is. Still around. That's, oh. yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, oh. My, I think my parents, when I was like really little, my parents took me to see Billy Jewel. Cute. So I feel like that's Billy the, Joel. that's the first, yeah, that's the first probably like real concert of, of my life. Billy Joel would be amazing to see even today. I would, yeah, I would really, really, he's got an endless repertoire. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And cake, like cake, here's a band that like, you know, oh is God, there I another like band that sounds like cake? The no. answer is no. 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 They're, they're weird in a way that's like, like now I feel like a lot of bands are like trying really hard to be weird. Like, do you mm. know what I mean? Like you're mm. trying, to, like cake, like was not trying to do anything. Like they're just really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cake. Great show. Great show. Yeah, um, great dessert. You know, I, I wanted to bring something. Great dessert as well, yeah. I wanted to bring up something on your bio that um, I, I don't know why it got me down this train of thought, but uh, it said something to the effect that, you know, you were inspired by Florence and the Machine and, and Muse, metric Foo Fighters. Uh, and I and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Foo Fighters, specifically Taylor Hawkins. Hmm. Sure. Where were you when you learned that Taylor had died? I, we were together because I I told you, didn't I? Didn't I see it on social media? And I was like, I feel like we were here. I can't remember. I think we were I can't here. remember exactly, but I I definitely remember learning of it and being in disbelief as everyone else was. Yeah. No, I know. First time I saw it, I was like, oh, this can't be right. Like, there's no way. And then, of mm-hmm. course, I start digging around like, holy fuck, it's right. My God. Yeah. I immediately went on like a very deep dive. Like, cause that's what I do. Like, I like immediately was like, what's going on? Like, do you know what I mean? I was like doing real, like national Enquirer type shit. Totally. Because right, I yeah. was like, you want a reason, right? You're like, wait, what, what, like, why? Like something must be like a miss. Yeah. And d- did you watch any of that, uh, Foo Fighters, uh, tribute concert they did at, um, where was it? Wem- Wembley stadium. It had like, you know, Miley, you know, I've seen, yeah, like I've seen some vultures clips. and the guy from ACDC did some stuff with yeah. like Metallica's drummer and like Liam yeah. Gallagher came out and Taylor's kid came saw, out. Yes. I, watched, I saw some of the clips with, uh, yeah. with Justin from the darkness. I saw some of those. 
Yeah. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing because I was at a I was at a wedding, but um I watched the one with his kid and I immediately started crying. Yeah. I was like I can't watch like, anymore. But, yeah. How can you like, not cry when you watch that, right? Like you, could, yeah. you couldn't. Like that's why I did. like I wasn't like I was like I'm not ready to cry for a full hour. Right? Straight up, like you are heartless. You're not yeah. you're not crying right, you were heartless. There's a there's a I think shortly oh. after that, Rolling Stone published I think their podcast, they published um audio of an interview that they had just done with him a year or two before and it was really fascinating it was interesting because yeah after he died a friend of mine had sent me there was the article that resulted from that interview and it was interesting because reading through it i i learned all this stuff about him i'd never because i'd always thought like the the story was always like he and dave are best buds and like you just get that image as like that they just are having the time of their life all the time and this is the just a band of best buds um but but in this interview i had no clue the kind of anxiety that taylor had just in general like he he had extreme stage fright and then i think that that was leading to a lot of like the way that he was pushing himself physically and also some medications that he was on but yeah it's it's crazy to learn that uh an an artist of that skill level could have stage fright you're blowing my mind. Like what the guy did well, you eight gotta hours listen. a night, man. Yeah. We have to go on. The that's di- it. That's He's... the thing. We started going down the steep. Well, I started going down the steep dive and then you found out and I was like, Oh my God. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you should, you should check out that, that episode because it's, it, yeah, it, it made me look at him in a totally different way. Like not, a, not a bad way, but just, I, I would never have guessed. And, yeah. and the amount of pressure that he put on himself. Um, I mean, we could, not at that scale, obviously, but like, we can definitely relate to, and I think so many artists can relate to the the feeling of of the pressure that you put on yourself that you are interpreting the rest of the world putting on you. And it seems, I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what's what's come from in terms of like cause of death or something like that, but like just knowing the extremity of anxiety that he felt around performance and his role, um, it it's it's just so sad. And and there's there's so many artists like that, unfortunately. Yeah, big time, right? I mean, you start to really get into it, and like, same for like Chris uh, Cornell. Like, yeah, you think like he's he's like a a rock god, and you think he has perfect life. He's got kids, he's got a wife, he's a touring band, and of course, millionaire yep. and everything else. And but and like, you, I never think that about public figures anymore because really, like, well, you just never know. Well, you never know, but like, you almost. I mean, I would say like, I probably would way more likely err on the side of like, they are dealing with a lot of shit than like, oh, their life is perfect and happy. Like when, okay, like, let's just look at music history, every biography, every whatever, like, think about it. It's like, there is a reason that like musicians and actors and public figures, like, are more likely than not to develop addictions of some sort, whether it be like an eating disorder, whether it's drugs, where it's alcohol, like, it's like, that life is not tenable. Like your your entire worth is based on external validation. As much as you try for it not to be, the only reason you're ever successful is because of something we call fans. Like think about how fucked up the term fans is. You have fans. You have people who are like admiring you and worshiping you and watching your every move. And if you play it wrong, you're like, I mean, we're not even remotely famous, but when I lose like one Instagram follower, I'm like, was that a bot or a real person? <laughs> like, is that something I said? Like, I mean, it's, and like, as much as like we're trying to do so much work constantly, we as a collective on like 
self-love and don't care what people think. Okay, well, if you don't care what people think, you're in the wrong industry because like, except for a very small percentage of artists who are like maybe like the Polaris artists who don't care what people think and are just making whatever the fuck they want. And I bet you that's not even true either. If you're a commercial artist, you're a, your literal job, the only reason you're going to be successful is if other people like you. So like, that is a recipe for absolute disaster. There's no way you're okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty fatalistic true though right like even you know yeah. what and and i agree with you like when i lose followers i'm like what the fuck did i do like <laughs> I, I i just had on like really good guests you know i'm, I'm trying my best i've got these great shows happening like how yeah. am i losing followers it blows my mind man it really and does also, the word follower or the word fan is like so <laughs> insane like well the world is a cult okay like what is going on i can't yeah. <laughs> could you could you pick a career highlight or is that just like yeah. way too hard no i could easily pick one right now yeah. <laughs> i mean we opened for bon jovi that's like the career highlight mm -hmm. so far uh, yeah so far at the the for what at the time was air canada center but now scotia bank arena in toronto yeah so okay. we played we played a sixteen thousand seat arena opening for our good friend John, and who gave us a pep talk before the show. <laughs> Shut up! So he did like, not. He did not come. Yes, he. A pep talk. Of course, he did. He gave us a pep talk. He was like, <laughs> "Do you know why?" He was like, "Do you know why your set is only twenty minutes?" And we were like, "Why, John?" And he's like, <clears> "Because <throat> when I got my big break opening for ZZ Top, our set was thirty minutes. We were so nervous. We played it so fast that it only ended up being twenty minutes." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's so great." <laughs> And then he was like, don't be nervous, just go out there. And then Phil X was like, this is just another field for you to frolic in. And then like, I mean, yeah. Oh my God. So, and then like afterwards, are you hanging out and drinking beers and drinking wine yeah. and just... They no, they they needed they, us to leave it. They were like, get out. They were like, twenty minutes. You're stuck over. Get your stuff out of here now. Literally, yeah. they were like, want to stick around? Yeah. Uh, tickets are right over there. Uh, yeah, we did they, get they gave us tickets up, tickets up in the nosebleeds. Yeah, up in the nosebleeds. Uh, but it was awesome. They, I mean, we did get to hit craft services in the afternoon for dinner. So, oh my god, I mean, it was, was insane. They set up a full restaurant in yeah. the Scotia Bank Arena with like any food you could want basically there's like a smoothie <laughs> station like it was like wild that was my most that's probably the most diva moment i had which is that i because i i try to eat at least three hours prior to a show so that i'm not like burping up my, my dinner while i'm running around on stage so yep. the, so they're i mean they're 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 really nice to the opening band and they they i mean it was really cool the whole the whole crew like the entire experience they so they do this and I think they still do. They we do this. Have three minutes. Okay, uh, they do this in every city that they go to. They get a local band to open for them. Did and you so know that? In... No. Did oh. Bon Jovi because he's like I'm famous. I don't need an opener to sell tickets. They try. They break a local act in every city they go to. They get a local band to open. He's been doing it for years. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's and they don't and they don't treat you. I mean, they want you to get out of there right after. <laughs> but I mean, they've probably got a lot of liabilities to figure out. So, but they don't treat you like you're some like bums. Like they they were really nice to us and like we got a, a dressing full room soundtrack. and uh, full, yeah. So we it, we got to like really have the experience. Uh, um, but uh, but so they had a pretty strict schedule. So they're like, okay, from like this time to this time like an hour before your show, you guys can go eat dinner. So then we had to get our friend who we had hired to be our tour manager for the night to like ask their contact if they could make an exception so that I could go a few hours earlier oh to God. eat with the crew. So 
that's like the most diva moment that I've had. <laughs> that is definitely not the most diva moment. I mean, okay, well, nice uh, anyway. Oh, look at the time. We don't have time. Please, to- by the way, we have to take a selfie before this ends. Yeah. Interviewer just hung up on us. No. Okay, well, not in a mean way. Not. She was just like, bye. You don't have well, to no, she knew that we no, had to go to another end. interview. You do a fake goodbye. You're like, it's so nice trying to keep it nice guys. And then we're like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you take the picture, but she like really like just popped off. Right. Mm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, we do unfortunately have another interview in a couple minutes. Yeah. But, well, so, I was, was going to wrap it up. Yeah, in, we can in fact, I was going to say thank you so much for, because uh, I know I only had 20. So I, I'm like way past what I was what I was giving. Talking to you. I would keep talking to you if we didn't have to go. Yeah, we so can fun. we can like do I'm a round two if you like. like round dream. two sounds great. So you're okay. easy to find on online, speaking of social media and all that stuff and fans and followers and everything else. Uh, yeah. GNSR Band on Twitter. Goodnight Sunrise Band on Instagram. And just a simple search of, of course, your band name on Facebook will find you. And Goodnight Sunrise on TikTok. Let's not talk as well. <laughs> yeah. Snapchat soon only fans no, is coming. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you look. Hey, I mean, if we. You can find David on Tinder. If we can. <laughs> Swipe right. Uh, yeah. Swipe right. Hey, I mean, if if we keep having this kind of much difficulty cracking into radio, we're just going to have to expand all of our horizons so head, head down keep grinding love your yeah, stuff swipe swipe right on oh, good night sunrise thank you, thank yeah you. no truthfully thank you very thank much you. for the kind words about the album we we definitely appreciate it and yeah we like work so hard and it's it it, it for all the the talk about feeling pressure about of, of having to do something or be something or or whatever like we definitely made the album that we wanted to make yes, and we we true. we didn't take in we 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 recorded what we wanted to and what we thought would sound good to us and what we enjoyed so um so we're glad that to hear that it it hits you Against in the right way lots. very a very fitting title in the time of covid and the pandemic so absolutely uh, i will throw this around a ton i'll make sure a lot of people listen to this podcast and uh i guess we'll uh we'll see you online thanks again for jumping on sounds thanks good thank it. you todd The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hi, my name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure, a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.